You're listening to the Farbrengan with Rabbi Levi Avtsan on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Rabbi Levi Avtsan, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul here live at the Soul to Soul. Farbrengan show every Tuesday from 1 to 2 in the afternoon. <clears throat> As always, you can WhatsApp us on 061-895-1019. You can SMS us at the number 34519. Dedicating the show once again to the memory of my late father, Rabbi Yonabar Mayor. And here we are, just eight, nine days away from the incredible holiday Chag of Purim. Next Wednesday night, Thursday, Purim arrives. An incredible, incredible Yom Tif. So much fun, so much excitement. And in honor of that, let's unpack one small detail of the story. And hopefully we could fabring about it. And once again, love to hear your thoughts. So let's zero in on one specific moment in the story. Here we are. There is Esther. Beautiful girl was taken in by her uncle Mordechai. Eventually Ahasuerus, the king, the Persian king at the time, goes on a beauty contest looking for a new wife, chooses Esther... And against her will, and really not what she wanted to do, she ends up as the wife of the Persian king, a Jewish girl sitting there alone. And she somehow makes a life for herself in that environment, and she manages to keep her tradition, etc. And at some stage, Haman, the evil viceroy, vice prime minister, decides to annihilate all the Jewish people, and he gets the king to agree to the plan. And not long after that, Mordechai is sitting with sackcloth and ashes outside the king's gate. Esther notices, she finds out what happens. And Mordechai encourages her to go deal with it, to approach the king. And she's hesitant. She says the king has never hasn't called me for 30 days and the he or she who goes and approaches the king without permission is setting themselves up for the death penalty and then Mordechai tells her one statement he says Ki Esther remember if you are quiet at this moment and if you don't stand up to the plate salvation will come to the Jewish people, from another place. And you and your father's home, in other words, your legacy, will be lost to history. And here are the words I want to focus on. And who knows, if it's for this time, this moment, that you reached royalty. Who knows if it's for this moment that you became queen. Esther hears the words, and right away she changes her mind, and she takes on the commitment to approach the king, and she tells the Jewish people to fast for her, and she's going to fast as well. And the story has a great ending, where Esther manages to save the Jewish people. Now, many people focus on that statement. Who knows if for this moment you rose... You were put in the spot. And very often people will talk about this as really the call for each and every one of us asking us, are you aware of why you were put into your specific spot? You, the teacher, you, the 
the mother, the father, the husband, the spouse, the, the child, the, the community leader. Who knows why you were put there? Today I want to focus on a similar but a bit of a different angle. Each and every one of us has incredible stories in our life. A movie can be written about each and every one of our lives. We all have incredible narratives to our lives. So yet, why is it that some of us can create a story of our lives, write it, feel it, live it, and some of us just go through life without realizing what an incredible story we had, and maybe only after our passing is our story acknowledged. In other words, you have a story to tell. I have a story to tell. But the only moment my story, the moment my story will be shared is only when I acknowledge that I have a story to tell. As long as I don't believe I have anything unique, I don't have a story, I don't have a narrative, I won't have a story to tell. What Mordechai is talking to Esther, what he's telling her is, don't you realize why you're in the palace? It's a simple question. But obviously, until he suggests to Esther that the reason she is in the palace is to save her nation, she doesn't connect the dots, even though it was right there in front of her eyes. In other words, if a person does not reframe their life, if a person doesn't analyze their life, unpack their life, and ask themselves a simple question, what is my role here? What am I doing here? If a person doesn't see their life as an incredible story, a story of growth, a story of achievement, a story of relationships, then the answers to their questions can be slammed in front of their nose literally blinking at them at the light and still will be blind to them. What Mordechai gave to Esther is just a different narrative to the same exact facts. The facts of her life were the same, and that is she was a Jewish girl who ended up as the wife of the Persian king. But the question that she didn't ask herself, according to the text, until Mordechai reaches out to her is, why? Why did God put you here? And suddenly that same fact became a story. That same life suddenly took on greatness. Suddenly, hey, one second, yeah, I am the queen in, in the most powerful kingdom while my, ki- my fellow Jews are about to be annihilated and I have the opportunity to save them. And suddenly it becomes alive in her mind and she becomes aware and says, one second, he's right. There's a story for me. There's a part for me to play. How unfortunate for so many of us that we go through life without asking ourselves a simple question. Why am I here? And what is my story? We don't see our lives as a story. We see only unique, incredible lives that make it onto film or, you know, gut-wrenching tragedy that make bestsellers and, and difficult reads. Those are incredible stories. But my life is quite typical. When woke up, you know, was born into a regular family, went to a regular school, graduated regularly. First of all, how many people actually have that? But even for argument's sake, if that's your life, 
It's regular. It's normal. It's typical. There's nothing unique. There's no story to tell. How often do people tell me those words? Rabbi, there is no story here. I don't have a story to tell. How sad. How false. How untrue. Every single one of us was put here in this world as a storyteller to create our story. A unique story that Hashem put us, that God placed us in this world to tell, to experience, to live through. Each of our lives is unique and incredible, but only when we wake up to the fact that there is a story do we realize that our life is not just a bunch of random coincidences. Our life is not just a, you know, a mathematical equation, 2 plus 2 plus 2 plus 2, that, you know, I got an education, and I, I, I met the right person, I got married, and I had kids, blah, 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 like life is just this simple... Um, common sense mathematical algorithm. It's not like that. Life is a journey. Each and every one of us is put here as a journey. And our journey is our story. And our story is something that we are called upon to embrace with our whole heart and ask yourself, what is this, my story? Esther's story seems to be unique, and it is a unique story. I mean, how many girls, Jewish girls, ended up as the wife of the Persian king? But in that incredible exception, it also teaches us the rule, and that is each and every one of us will have that moment in our life, that story in our life, that second that, that we wake up and we sit there saying, yes, the kid I have, although this child is so difficult, that's the plan, that's my story, that's my movie, that's my script. Each and every one of us were handed a script. We didn't get much choice, or any choice, which script we were handed to play. The only question we were asked was, and were called upon to do is, read the script, act it out, stand in front of the camera and play your part. And Mordechai turns to Esther and says, if you just play your part. Instead of wishing that you were never there, instead of second-guessing yourself, just play your part. That's where you're positioned. That's where you are. That is your calling in life. Just play it. The following song that I want to play for you is called Don't Hide From Me. It's a beautiful song in English from Avram Fried. And really, it's a call out to God um, in, in the message of Purim, and that is, God don't hide from me. But I think it can also be interpreted to ourselves, to not hide from our calling, but rather for to raise up and to rise to the occasion and truly play our part. This is 101.9, Chai FM, Don't Hide From Me. You're listening to The Farbrengan with Rabbi Levi Abzan on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Rabbi Levi Abzan, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Scholl here on Soul to Soul. Thank you for your message. Shalom, Rabbi. Thank you for the positive message. Shalom. For, the, for whoever wrote that message anonymously, thank you so much. Once again, our WhatsApp is 0618951019, SMS number 34519. So what are we talking about? We're talking about the ability to create stories, to create narratives. One of the things that we do in, in Judaism, which is very interesting, is we, I guess it's not unique to Judaism. I, I'd imagine many cultures do the same, but we're really, uh, 
dedicated to is we say the same story over and over and over and over. Every single Pesach, the job is every Passover, you sit around the table and you say the same story two nights in a row, at least. In other words, you might be saying the story preparing for the holiday and after the holiday and during the holiday, and you'll read it in the Exodus story at least once a year, constantly telling the story. Purim, Megillah, you're telling the story by night. 40 minutes by day again 40 minutes you're reading it you're you're listening to it over and over and over in a lifetime if you went to shul every time i think you heard 150 times 200 times how many times do you hear the megillah and the question is for crying out loud move on to another story there are so many stories to be told within our incredible history why are we so bent on repeating the same stories we were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. Esther, if you don't rise to the occasion, your family is going to go down in oblivion. The same stories over and over and over. And the rabbis explain because it's not the same story. It's the, every time we repeat it, it's about internalizing the story in a whole new level. It's about getting the story And to get a story, to really understand a story, can take hundreds of times, thousands of times. You see it often in in our own lives when a person's trying to make sense of an exciting event or a very challenging event. They'll be repeating that story over and over and over. You go to a shiva home and you're going to comfort the mourner and you'll find that the mourner... very very often over the week is saying the same stories about their late parent or relative over and over and over. And as they're doing it, they're they're not repeating themselves. They're creating a story in their mind. The story is becoming more real. The story is becoming more vivid. The story is becoming more internalized, more meaningful, more personal. Often we're very bored by hearing the same story more than once. Ah, come on, I've watched that movie. Let me move on to the next one. I've read that book. But the truth is that so much of wisdom is not in how much quantity you have, but how much quality you give that that one thing you read. In Yeshiva, when we study in the the, the Talmud, there's two different uh, times of the day. The majority of the day is given towards Iyuna. Iyuna means in depth, and where you take one page of the Talmud and you analyze and analyze and analyze and dissect and dissect and dissect, and often you could spend a month just on one or two pages. And then there's a part of the day which is called either Girsa or Bikiyos, which is more... You know, move along, and that you could cover a page an hour, if not even quicker, and you just move uncovered information. So quantity is obviously important. That's just the way you broaden your knowledge. But the majority of the day and the morning hours, the real, you know, when the head is fresh, we're told, delve deeply. Get into the text. What is the words of the Talmud? What is it really saying? Analyze that Rashi. What is Rashi saying what is unique what did he add to the interpretation and then you could sit there going to a lesson where your teacher your Rosh Hashiva will sit there analyzing with you for an hour and a half two hours a few words and obviously you know it's an intellectual journey but what they're trying to teach you is their appreciation of there is so much meaning within this text you don't have to turn the page in this page where you're sitting right now in this one line in this Rashi in this Tosafot in this Marasha and the various commentaries on the Talmud there is so many layers there's so much depth to sit onto the page over and over and over 
Chazara, that's one of the main things that they encourage us when you do Talmudic study is Chazara, repeat, learn it over and over and over, not only to drill it into your memory, but to uncover within yourself incredible layers of wisdom within that same text that you think you know so well. I remember one of the teachers in my yeshiva when I studied, he used to say, that he studies every piece of Tosfot, which is one of the major commentaries on the Talmud, he studies it 40 times. And he says the difference between the 39th and 40th time is greater than the difference between the first and the second, or the, the, the zero and one. He says because it's a whole new appreciation, once you're already familiar with the words, to delve deeply and to really understand the logic and, and, and the, what's called the Mahalach, the way of thinking of that specific text. And that's something that It's part of our culture It's been there for thousands of years The ability of just sitting And instead of moving along And just, okay, I finished that page Sit on that page Sit on your story There's enough wisdom in the Purim story To repeat hundreds of times And you still won't get bored And there's still no reason to move on to the next story Because that story has so much As long as we open our minds To the incredible narrative of that story If we open our minds to see something That we haven't seen before To interpret it in the life that we have today Versus the life that we had last year Because we are different people than we were last year I hope and now the story will have a different resonance. It will touch a different nerve. It will connect to a different part of our brain, to a different part of our life experience. Something else will call out to us if we're willing to, if we're willing to read it with fresh eyes. And that's why we can look over the stories over and over. And we can look over a page in Talmud over and over. Chazara, to to constantly review what do we say every time we finish a tractate of Talmud when a person studies Talmud the first thing we say after we finish is I'll return to you I'll come back to you why? first of all because I love you but more importantly because I don't think I've gotten all you have to offer there is so much more that these pages have to offer and I will come back because I don't think I've achieved all the wisdom Torah is infinite wisdom. It's God's wisdom. Hashem literally enclosed himself, put himself into the Torah. And God is infinite and his Torah is infinite. And we have the ability, when we unpack the stories, when we unpack the logic, when we learn with a fresh mind and we don't walk in with a saying, I heard the Perm story already before. I know everything it has to say. When we're willing to come in with a fresh perspective, suddenly we realize it's a whole narrative. An incredible narrative. And each and every one of us will read the narrative and will connect to something else, and that's its beauty. What Mordechai was telling Esther in the story was... Are you appreciating why you're the queen? Have you delved deeply into your life? Have you unpacked your life? Do you understand your life? Do you understand why you're here? Do you know what is asked of you? So much of our time is spent dreaming of the life we have and it's something that I personally you know resonate with the idea of dream the life you want we've spoken about it a long time ago it's not an original idea everyone says it 
What dreams do you have for yourself? What do you want to be? What, imagine your life. Create your reality. And there's a lot of truth in that. But at the same time, there is not only to create the reality that you want, but to embrace the reality that you have. There's creating the reality you wish for, and there's embracing the reality that was given to you. Each and every one of us was given a reality, a personality, blood relationships, an environment, a background, a DNA, medical conditions that are very, very often just hereditary. Each and every one of us was given a package. We're tall, we're short, we have a high IQ, we have a low IQ, etc. That is the, the reality that we have. And yes, we might be able to stretch it, but very often that is the world we're supposed to live within. That's your parents. You can never adopt a new set of parents. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, am I only dreaming for a different life? Or am I turning my current life into a dream? I could take whatever my life looks like right now, and whether by outside standards is looked at as pretty or not as irrelevant, the question is, what do I consider my life? Do I see the blessings in my life? Do I have a good narrative to my life? Do I have a good story to tell about my challenges? Do I feel sorry for myself? Or do I sit there embracing the life I have and create the best dream I possibly can in the variables of my life? Mordechai tells Esther, look at your life and see it differently. Stop seeing yourself as a victim of circumstances and stop seeing yourself as just a poor girl who was snatched away and became the wife of a king. See yourself as a woman who was positioned to save the entire Jewish nation and do the biggest act of salvation that's ever happened in our history because never before and never after have all the Jewish people been threatened at the same time. Purim was the only time that we were all threatened of annihilation. And this one woman, with incredible courage, saved us. And all it took from her to be a passive bystander to the Savior of the entire community, to literally make a miracle happen with the blessings of God, all it took was just a reframe, a different story to tell herself. She didn't no longer saw herself as just a bystander, but rather she saw herself as a proactive transforming agent. What story do we tell ourselves about ourselves? What dream do we make out of our lives? How much time are we fantasizing about the life we should have had? And how much time are we creating a fantasy, in the best sense of the word, of the life we do have? This is 101.9 Chai FM. You're listening to The Farbrengan with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Rabbi Levi Avzan. Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul, live here at Chai FM. We are Fabrengan today, and this is the Fabrengan Show, one to two every Tuesday in the afternoon. Thank you for joining us. And we're talking about creating a narrative. It's interesting, on next week, when we come here the Megillah, which is the Purim story, the Megillah has, an, is, is, has two words to its name. It's called Megillas Esther literally translated as the scroll of Esther. 
It's a scroll that Esther wrote and eventually was rewritten and transcribed and put part of the 24 holy books of the Jewish uh, written Torah, Torah Shebech Sav, um, the, and it's canonized. It's an incredible, uh, it's, it's called part of the canon, part of the 24 books, an incredibly holy book. Megillas Esther, the Megillah of Esther. But the rabbis say, specifically the Hasidic masters, they teach that the Megillas Esther can not only be translated as the scroll of Esther, but what does the word Megillah come from? The word Megillah shares the same root as the word Gilui, Ligalot, Gal, Revelation, to reveal. Megillah, to reveal. What does the word Esther mean? Esther is obviously a name, but what does the word Esther mean? The, the, the sages teach us it comes from the word Aster Astir. I will hide. God says the words Vanochi Haster Aster Panai Bayemahu, and I will hide my face in that time. And the rabbis refer that to the time of the Purim story where God hid himself and the Jews felt alone, but ultimately once they reached out they saw miracles. Esther is hidden. Megillah is revelation. Say the rabbis, Megillas Esther. The two words seem to be an oxymoron. They're negating one another. Megillah, to reveal. Esther hidden. What does that mean? They say, yes, exactly. Reveal the hidden. Unpack the thing that seems to be hidden. At first glance, it's Esther. It's hidden. There's, there's, it's hard to understand. It's blocked. We're blind to it. Megillah, reveal it and suddenly discover a whole different story. I mean, that is the whole Purim story. We're told that Purim, the, the Megillah does not have God's name once. Why? And the, the, the commentaries explain because it's the kind of story that you can choose to read whichever way you want. You can read it as an in the word Esther, in other words, hidden, and not see any miracles, not see God's hand, or Megillah, you can reveal that every single detail in that story, in that incredible tale, was coordinated by the Master, by the Creator of Heaven and Earth. Which narrative do we choose? Do we choose the Megillah or the Esther? Do we choose to reveal within ourselves, in our own stories, incredible meaning and purpose? Or we say, eh, it just happened to be. I just happened to be living in South Africa. I just happened to be married to that person. I mean, I could have fallen in love with anybody. I just fell in love with that person. No, there's no happen. Nothing is random. In a world that God runs every single detail of it, if we are monotheists and we believe that God is everything and everything is God, then nothing in this world is out of His control. So there, there is no randomness. There is nothing random about the fact that I just happen to be born to those parents. I happen to be born with those looks. I happen to be born with those skills and those weaknesses. And there's no happen. Happenstance doesn't exist in a God-run world. Randomness does not exist in a God-run world. Rather, in a God-run world, everything is meaningful and purposeful and placed in the exact spot it needs to be placed. And every moment of every day, we are where we belong. And the only question that God says is, what are you going to make of it? 
What part are you going to play now that I put you on that stage? We did not choose what stage we'll stand on. And we did not choose what script we'll read. All we were given the choice is how are we going to read that script? Passive, aggressive, resentful, angry, wistful, or courageously and proudly and faithfully and with our whole heart, wholeheartedly, passionately. Interesting, the Megillah itself, the first, there's ten chapters in the Megillah. And we're told that at the beginning of the sixth chapter, the, the, the halacha says, Jewish law says, to start reading it on a higher tone, to literally go up a notch. So the, you'll, if you listen to the Megillah and Shul, you'll hear that the, the, they're going at one, um, they're going on one, um, level. And then suddenly, it'll be, Balayla hu nadadash nasamelech, suddenly they'll sit there saying that, They'll go on higher, and the Balkari, the person who's reading the Megillah, will suddenly start screaming, Balaylahu! And you're like, one second. Why, why are you going higher? Because suddenly we're uncovering a different story, and from, cha- from chapter 6, which is about halfway through the Megillah, we are going to see a story of salvation. So although it's the same tunes that we were singing till now, we are going to sing the tunes with so much more excitement and thrill, because we're choosing to say the story not sadly. You know, the first part of the story, we often turn into the tunes of Tisha B'Av. We'll say the words, And Shushan, which was the capital of Persia at the time, was devastated. And we'll say, you know, That ashes, sackcloth and ashes were, you know, given to all the people. And that story is one of sadness and you know, broken heart. And then suddenly, on that night, the king couldn't sleep. And we're told that the simple translation is, Achashverish couldn't sleep. And then the spiritual translation is, God couldn't sleep. In other words, God suddenly changed the narrative and decided instead of destroying the Jewish people to save them. And that same story becomes alive and we say it with excitement. How do we say the Purim story? How do we say the stories of our life? Do we sit there saying, oh gosh, Nebuch, you know, like, oh gosh, you know, this is the life I have, this is the marriage I have, oh God, oh gosh, that kid, Whew, you never had a child like that, what a pain, how difficult. Or you sit there saying, I'm so blessed, I'm so grateful, that kid is such a challenge, but it's so much excitement, the kid has so much potential. What story do we say? It's the exact same facts, but it's a whole different tone. What tone do we talk None of us have ideal lives by what we consider ideal. But all of us have the exact life that was set for us. Can we celebrate our lives? Can we see Megillas Esther to reveal the hidden and to create an incredible story? This is 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Opson, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Chul here on Soul to Soul. You're listening to the Farbrengan with Rabbi Levi Abzan on 101.9 Chai FM. Hi, Rabbi. I like your open-minded passion. Hmm, that's an interesting one. My most recent story, the other evening, the cover under which my car was parked was crushed by a falling tree. The branches that penetrated missed my car by five inches. It was untouched. I think it was Hashem. Thanks for your program, DC. And you sent me two pictures. 
gosh, that looks like quite a break. But thank you so much for sharing that story. Absolutely, we have the choice of how, the, what narrative do we t- we tell ourselves. And you could either have felt sorry for yourself and sit there saying, oh, shame, you know, the tree fell down. Or you sit there saying, hey, my car was speared. What story do we tell? You know, it's the famous expression, do you see the half cup, uh, the cup half empty or half full? Or do you see the cup full even though it seems half empty? So here's the the wrap-up of the show. First of all, thank you, Craig, for being with us. Purim is in nine days, eight days from tonight, you know, it's eight days from tonight, Wednesday night, Thursday, a public holiday, we can all celebrate Purim, we're all off work, we're all off school, we can sit there having a grand old time and do the mitzvahs of the day, hear the Megillahs, give gifts to our friends, give charity to the poor and just party away and eat great food and just celebrate um, the freedom and the, the miracles Purim is a time of incredible joy. It doesn't only have one day of joy. We're told the whole month, and this year it was two others, two months, full of joy. We decide to be joyful. Joyful is a mind space. Joy doesn't happen when our life circumstances change. Joy happens when our perspective on our life circumstances change. And we all have our challenges and we all have our blessings. But... No matter what our life looks like to the outsider, only we know the strength we have, the ability to reframe. Only we have the incredible ability of taking our challenges and turning them into miracles. The same word, nisayon, which means challenge in Hebrew, is the same word as nes, a miracle. We create miracles. The Purim story was God ordained, but it was also when one human being, when Esther, decided to create a miracle in her own mind by changing her story. And she was no longer a bystander. She was the transforming agent and the person who single-handedly saved the Jewish people from annihilation. Each and every one of us can do miracles by just changing the story we tell ourselves about ourselves. We don't have to look for heroes out there. We don't have to watch movies about incredible people that did incredible things. We can be our own movie, and we can be our own hero. And yes, our circumstances don't look pretty and beautiful sometimes, but we are called upon to make miracles in our time. And that's what Purim is. It's about making miracles in our lives. A simple miracle a marriage that was in shambles or a marriage that was challenged gets revitalized and suddenly the marriage is healthy again. A simple miracle. Parent and child that don't have a great relationship work on it and now have a comfortable and healthy relationship. A simple miracle. A person who d- didn't feel highly of themselves suddenly believes that they can and gets a job and sees miracles in their thing. Small miracles, but they are so big. We decide what we think of ourselves, and we decide how we play our part. want to wish us all tremendous success in playing our part, but we should all have a Purim Sameach. We should all have an incredible Purim and a incredible month. And I want to finish the show with a song. It's called Shallow Waters 
by Ari Goldwag, and really it calls upon us to see our lives not through the shallow, but to see it in depth. We can all have a shallow perspective on life, or we can have a deep perspective, see deep, swim in the deep, have a great week. Shh. Chag Sameach, Purim Sameach, and may we all have joy in our lives. Amen.